The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Wolf, also known as Cam in the real life, and my sound is very special because it goes, wow. Across from me is the bull. In the real life as well. In not the, the real meta. life. His sound is Apparently, a deer. Apparently, I have a stomach ache of some kind. Yeah. A disturbing a Disturbed. Sound. You like how that long? That actually is kind of after uh, Hawaiian pizza right there. You like how long it goes, too? It does. It for a long time. Like, Actually, that's kind of kind of terrible. Yeah, I think oh. we need to find a new sound for the bull. Uh, it's <laughs> such a disturbing <laughs> noise. I'm like debating gastrointestinal problems. I'm debating whether or not we should just start over. But you know what? Why? We also have uh, Beowulf. <laughs> that's my sound. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, and uh, this is the 57th episode of mm. The Wolf and Bull. Nice. Um, before we get started, just a few reminders. If you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook, Rumble. I believe we're on YouTube now, and I think we're also on all the major listening <laughs> platforms. <laughs> um, you give us a five-star review, and I will love you forever. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's I think all I we have. should address... The wolf, elephant, the wolf in the room. The wolf in the room. Mm. What is that? Episode what again? Fifty six. Or this is fifty seven. Fifty seven. You know what five and seven are, right? Prime numbers. Twelve. They are. They're prime numbers. Mm. Again, once again, it seems like every single week there's something to be primed for, something to prepare, something to get. Arithmetical. Where are you? Where are you going with this? Arithmetical. What, what are we doing here? He's he's. What do you on, mean? What am I doing? Well, mission. Are you on a mission for numbers? Are you the a numbers? Your nickname mission. is the professor. Yes, it is. We should I change. Must, we I should change have. the logo in the Wolf and Bull to just, am, like you actually, wearing I'm a trench stare, coat. I'm staring into the camera <laughs> now, and I'm seeing like numbers filling the air. Oh, like house. Well, I think I think it was that. No, no, that Magic School Bus. Movie. Oh, Magic, <laughs> magic School. <laughs> did you ever see that movie with Jim Carrey? I think it was called Thirteen. Oh yes, or Twenty One. Sure that was, was him trying to be. Older. a scary, Was it Twenty One? Him trying to be a scary okay, actor. Twenty Three something. Yeah, it was Twenty Three. It was Twenty Three. Twenty Three. Which again are roles. both what? Numbers. Prime numbers. Prime numbers. They are prime numbers. Yes, I totally forgot. Two was a prime number. This is how we bring people so it's 23, in. 23, by this the way. This is how we bring people in. We start uh, talking about math. So whoever's still listening, <laughs> yes. welcome. Now welcome to uh, the calculus. How is everybody doing? I'm doing good. Are you? Yeah, I am. You feeling Irish over there? Feeling, feeling Irish. I I'm. I was also just a couple minutes ago talking about what I would want uh, for my meal after this. And uh, a pot pie. A, uh, pot pie? a chicken pot pie sounds Ooh, really good. No, what is it? What's the Irish breakfast contain? What is that? Uh, the exact 
Irish breakfast. I will not get entirely right, and is, I do is, not want to disappoint no. my fellow Irishmen. However, well, it a is... A good shepherd's pie is, is pretty awesome, Well, too. yeah, but an Irish... Traditional Irish breakfast has beans, eggs... Bacon, Sausage. sausages, baked beans, eggs, mushrooms, grilled tomatoes, and perhaps some yeah. cooked leftover potatoes and made into a hash or bubble. Uh, or a I bubble am. and steak. I don't know what a, a bubble is. Bubble? A bubble? I have no idea what a bubble is. Well, I do know that a breakfast like that would be excellent mm. after a long day of hiking. Yeah, yeah. I bet you're right. Or to prime you to get you the energy to start hiking, right? That is correct. Yeah. All those potatoes. Right. Should I jump into the monologue? That was a segue for you. Oh, thank you. I just, just wanted to make sure. I just did a layup. Are you going to follow the, up there? No, I, what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're anything like me, then you enjoy the great outdoors. Being around nature, scenic vistas, and the precarious nature of everything around me reminds me that life is just more than work, politics, and keeping up with the Joneses. When I'm outdoors overlooking a cliff face, I do sometimes wonder what President Biden meant when he said... Strategy to mobilize true international pressure. Or what Trump was getting at with his tweet, despite the constant negative press kofefe. He deleted it hours later, but insisted that its wording was intentional. Why was it intentional? What does kofefe mean? Sure, some media outlets assume he meant coverage, but could it have been a signifier that maybe the Clintons are lizard people? that Area 51 is the exit of the simulation, or that Klondike would, in 2022, after 40 years, discontinue the Choco Taco. Who knows? My scenic vista view moments are not meant to answer those questions or thoughts. That's simply not the point of going outside. Going outdoors is so you don't have to concern yourself with- Those poor people who have lost, you know, anyway. Or with whether Biden (laughs) has taken a cognitive test. Have you taken? A cognitive no, test. I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? It's a lot I think to, you should lot take to a think test about. for both right there. It's a lot to think about. Yeah, you go outdoors because struggling with the grueling hike is more enjoyable than listening to any of that nonsense. Being alone in the wilderness is lonesome, but it is more enjoyable than being in the loud sounds sometimes. And frankly, doing that, in my opinion, is more enjoyable than doing nothing. I think all those are verifiable truths. And here on the Wolf and Bull podcast, we... We choose truth over facts. We do. (laughs) Going outdoors, hiking, and being amongst nature isn't always safe, though. In fact, it's frequently very unsafe, and many people severely underestimate the potential danger that awaits them shortly off or on the trails. Recently, Beowulf and I hiked Half Dome in Yosemite. I'm not saying we're better than you. I'm just saying we did something. It was a great time, but incredibly grueling, and we're happy that we were prepared. Unfortunately... Many people are not prepared, and that's why we're discussing the worst possible scenarios that occur when in the great outdoors. Tragic. Two things. The true international pressure has to be my favorite word. Two real important things about your monologue. Mm. Mm. Number one, area, what is it again? 51. 51. Oh, five and a... Oh, yeah, prime numbers. Prime numbers. What is going on? It's the exit to the simulation, I'm convinced. It is. That... Why would there be so many prime numbers otherwise? Listen, I just love the, looking at it on Google Maps. There's nothing there, right? No. You can't see it. No, you can't. They, it's just a big, they, it has a big five and a one. That's it. That's right. 
Yeah. No, you can see it on well, you can see it on Google Maps. You know, in the second at least the top layer. Go the ahead. Top layer? Is it a cloud that has a five and a one on it? Is that what it is? Or is it what is and those it? poor people who have lost you know <laughs> I said it right. again. I'm sorry. That's I, a I great just, that's a great one. What that's, was your but, second thing so about the monologue? Well the second thing, and you heard him right there, our glorious leader. Hmm. Preparation is in the mind of the beholder mm. because a lot of people think they're prepared for the great outdoors. He's going to say I'm not prepared with the monologue. I didn't no. practice at all. Wow. Honestly, I'm just that kidding. is not where I was going with that at all. I'm joking. I, as always, joking. I, th- I thought your monologue was weird. Yes, but that's, that's okay. exactly what I thought it's it was. Okay. But no, I'm just saying that the, the problem with most people that go out on these hikes and probably most of the people you talk about for the rest of this podcast are just not prepared and they think they are. They really do. From their perspective, a lot of them believe they're prepared. I think even the most prepared you have to remember when you're hiking or or camping or walking, just walking out in the wilderness like this, even the most prepared people, there is a possibility of something happening to you that you can't get out of or you get lost. And the prepared does maybe help you, but, you know, there's no guarantee. Well, let's let's talk about some of the hikes that we've been on to give our listeners some, you know, understanding of... Our incredible skill set. Um, just kidding. No, uh, to give our listeners some context about what we have done, because I do think experience is uh, is a great, um, at least at least a, in my opinion, a great uh, precedent to uh, advice. So I think that when it comes to all of us here, I think we've been on some r- relatively decent hikes. Yeah. I wouldn't consider myself a professional, but I think I have some grasp on what to do when I'm walking outside. We conquered Silly Mountain very quickly. <laughs> That's a that's just a little short <laughs> jaunt for anyone who's wondering. Um, yeah, we just did Half Dome mm-hmm. uh, a week and a half ago. Uh, you know, you've done the Fourteeners in Colorado. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, I've done f- uh, four of them, I believe. Uh, yeah, we've done Grand yeah. Canyon together, all three of yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you, so you guys haven't been on Fourteeners, and I haven't been on Yosemite, mm-hmm. but we've all we've all been on the Grand Canyon one. Mm-hmm. I believe that the Fourteeners for me at least, were harder. They weren't nearly the length uh, of hike that the Grand Canyon was. But the 14ers, because of 14,000 feet and above, it just affects your body differently. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You said that, um, I think it was the last one you did, at the very top, you had like a Mountain Dew or something. Yeah. Or like an energy drink, and it was was, just like... This was up on a mountain called La Plata, which Mm -hmm. is, there's a a famous bike ride up in Colorado. Oh, gosh can't remember the name of it it starts it's like starts at ten thousand feet the bike ride itself uh, i'm sure whoever listening out there will be going you dummy don't you know what that ride is yeah. matter of fact i know a buddy of mine that's been on it once or twice as mm-hmm. well somebody you know mm-hmm. the silver road no no it's it's uh the, the mountain was la plata so it's up near la plata la and then plata um it's you'll say the city and i'll know right away if you if you find ten thousand foot silvertown city is what it was but but in any event i got about we my my brother and i went five miles in the wrong direction before we found the trailhead because mm-hmm. you start at the you know odark 30 mm-hmm. as you well know from your last one mm-hmm. and unless you know exactly where you're going or if there's other people going in on la plata there was just us right. you know there a few people once we got up there but we went five miles the wrong way at about ten thousand feet where the starting nine or ten thousand wherever we started at is it bear creek no mm. no 
it's something. Just give it up. Yeah, it yeah well, whatever. Famous bike ride in Colorado. <laughs> 10,000 feet. You'll there's like it. a thousand of them, I'm sure. There is, yeah. No, there's... Colorado? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. It's, it's okay. It's, continue, yeah. continue. He'll, he'll find it. He'll yeah. find it. But, but in any event, we, we got to the top of this thing, or near the top of it, and we were plodding along, and it was a grueling kind of thing, because every time you turned a corner, there was another switchback going up, up, and away. And, and uh, up near the top, I remember looking up at my brother and went, man, your face is kind of bleached out. Uh-oh. And man, the rest of the scenery looks like a Picasso painting. And that's... <laughs> And Where so, you know it's getting bad. So I, I sat down for a sec, got a little sugar in my system, and cleared it right up. Mm-hmm. But it was the first time I'd ever had any kind of altitude sickness at all, mm-hmm. if that's what it is, is something like that. Probably, sounds like but, it. But we made it to the top, as always, took some nice pictures, and immediately headed down before our oxygen depleted. I gave oh, up yes. on looking it up. That's I okay. Gave up. Yeah, uh, La Plata, up. ironically enough, is also the name of a town, village in Spain, so... Yeah, so this, this was definitely not in Spain. On the opposite yeah, side yeah, of the yeah, world. Yeah. Yes. But okay, yeah. So the 14er, you think, was more of like a physical challenge and the Grand Canyon more of a mental of because of the length. Well, the Grand Canyon was definitely physical for most of the people that we were involved with that day. Mm-hmm. But we came to a point where it was strictly mental. You, right. you, your body was going to be able to get you through, but there were some people in our crowd that it ended up being, if you would agree with me, Wolf, that it was just... We've got to get over this mental hurdle and keep going. Fourteen, or you were at at elevation where you could literally kind of. Yeah, but I also think that the Grand Canyon and even Yosemite, uh, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know where you guys started. Because I'm sure there's different paths and trails that you could hike from the very bottom all the way to the top. Um, but you know, my position on it is obviously people go in with expectations that are not accurate. Um, be it Grand Canyon or Yosemite or doing 14ers. And I feel like at least, at least I, I think in the instance of the Grand Canyon, Yosemite, you're stuck. So you have to get out of it. Like you can't just be like, okay, well, I'm going to sit down and stay here. Like that's not how that works. And honestly, you know, I feel like that's a lot of really long trails. So if you went on like, like 14 or wise, I feel like if you're like doing a super long trail, it's the same type of thing. And you're right. Like at a certain point, your body is going to be able to get you through it, but your brain's going to try and stop you. Um, and I think that happens more than once. Uh, I think that happens with people on that have like running their first marathon, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that that famous wall. <laughs> excuse me, that everybody talks about. I think that happens. You know, in the great outdoors as well. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that it happens more than once because I think early on, at least for me with Yosemite, like when I hit when I hit my wall, because I did. I mean, we were carrying a lot of stuff, and um, when I hit my wall, it was at the top of the sub dome. I was like, okay, like I, we, you know, went to the sub dome, we got up there and then we looked up at the cables and we were like, probably not today. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it's an 18 mile hike. We've, you know, we, we, we don't want to get back super, super late. Like it's 10 miles back. So that was my, you know, wall first one. And the second one was going down those stairs, the waterfall. So, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to physicality and the mental game associated. Um, but you're right. A lot of people get involved and they're just simply not prepared. Um, everybody's different. Like I, I work out regularly and it's, it was difficult for me. Um, in the sense that 
not that I couldn't do it again or not that I couldn't have continued to go, but in the sense that it was demanding physically. And there were points where it was like, okay, well now my hamstrings like going to give out on me. I have to cut my legs off and just call me nubby. Carrying well, it down as a backpack. It, isn't it like you start, you start talking to yourself like, why what 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 is the reason I was wanting to complete this? What, well, what, I think that's the yeah. funny thing about when when you're hiking something where you're actually doing like an uphill downhill type situation. Mm-hmm. I think number one, going uphill, you better enjoy everything you're seeing because on the way down, you're not going to care about it anymore, <laughs> more than likely. Yeah. And I think uh, like newbie people who are new to hiking, good for you. You should do it. Also, you should remind yourself that when you get to the top, you're halfway done. And it's not easier going downhill. In fact, I would make the argument that it's a lot harder. Do you quick, think part Bull, of say something really wise about what she just said. Quick, on the spot, a saying. Uh, <laughs> no, what I, I was going to say, though, is I think it's more than just physical. In more than just kind of a mental turn or that wall you're talking about, I think there's a, there's a point in where you start weighing your risk aversion for things. Mm-hmm. You start feeling your body's signals to yourself and you're going, and the reason I thought about that when you were talking is that on a couple of the 14ers on the way down, there's a lot of snow coming down. Mm-hmm. This is dead of summer, by the way, but we get up that high, there's, there's a lot of cold, a lot of snow still. Yeah. And, and I was coming down through this one path and I kind of veered off to the side to try to get a little bit of a shortcut down. Cause it's, my, my brother's freaking jumping from these rocks to rocks. I'm like, first of all, I wear freaking graduated bifocals so the depth perception when you jump from one rock to another is not what it used to be okay yeah. you got to judge just right and well, you didn't bring it, those big like jar i should have brought a meta know. thing away but <laughs> and, and then when, when you're when you're kind of when you're already tired from going up to the top yeah and you're coming down and your 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 quads aren't quite what they should be you start worrying if it's one of them's gonna give out on you when you hit the rock just right yeah. but, but i went right through a snowbank I went, I went literally stepped into the snowbank and went up to my neck because there was nothing below it. Yeah. You gotta be careful. There was, I haven't heard these giant, this part yet. Well, no, there's these giant rocks and these, these, you know, snow drifts in between. Don't tell your mother about this, by the way. She's going to hear it. She's going <laughs> to listen to this. Did you, did you jump in? You basically jumped in. You post. almost we had a 28, was 128 hours. You almost had 128 hours. Moment. Dude, I've been through all kinds of shit. That doesn't that make do me any more to... reassured. My, you know, <laughs> but here's, here's what I was going to say. When you, when you've, you know, as you live your life, you go through all these experiences, whether they're outdoors, whether they're driving vehicles, whether they're doing stupid ass things, they're jumping out of planes, bungee jumping, climbing on rocks, getting tested for yourself cocaine. In, in the outdoor stuff we're talking about. <laughs> the, the, the stuff outdoors that we're talking about you know, if if you're if you're silly enough in your youth to go out and climb mountains and stuff alone mm. don't do it because you'll eventually find yourself in a position where you're holding on to something and you're looking around and going nobody's ever gonna find me yeah mm-hmm. period nobody's gonna know that i almost did this but I, I think my my point of all this is that there is a calculus that's done that you've decided that the danger is now overriding the need to complete this or do something that that you you you're you're saying another day well then you finish and you're like oh i'm so glad i did it no not at all oh i thought you said i I thought you said you're i thought you're gonna go i jumped the gun i thought you're gonna say i have regret yeah no 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 no. you finish and you get done and you know i was i was telling a friend of ours who we were on this hike uh, last week with uh in yosemite i was telling her she was just, you know, exhausted. 
And I was like, you know, at the end, you're going to be done with this. You're going to get some food in your system, go to sleep. And tomorrow you're not even going to remember how tired you were anymore. You're going to be like, I did it once. I could do it again. We We went to dinner the next day and we were talking and I'm pretty sure she said, yeah, I'm never going to do that again. But yeah, when we do this again, by the way, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's going to be really good because you you know what the worst part is, though? If I could remember the She was 100% serious. Oh, I know. It was hilarious. Your mind is amazing. It was like a two minute switch. Your mind, when you complete something, even if it's part of something, you have now proven to yourself mm-hmm. something you've never proven to yourself again. And you'll never, be, you know, it, it changes you forever in a different way. Yeah, but it, my morning so, experiences. Uh, that, that town I can't remember in Colorado, Flatbush, <laughs> flat, flat iron, flat iron, flat iron. No, that's something no, over that's here. over the, here, yeah. Something iron, or something Somewhere iron, wood, yeah. 10,000 feet. Anyway. Um, the bike trail? So, so <laughs> we get we get out of that whole thing, me seeing Picasso in the in the sky and all that kind of shit that we've gone. I took a Mountain Dew, man, and you were, you were mentioned earlier. I remember slugging that thing down, and I can literally feel it, like, coursing through my system into my capillaries and out to my fingers, like, oh. It's like the Hulk must feel that. All that know, poison. Gamma rays hit him, all you know? that right. Mountain Dew poison. Oh, it was, I don't, it's beautiful poison. <laughs> that was beautiful poison. But we yeah. got down off the mountain, and we went into that city, and we were like, oh, my God. I could barely walk. I got blisters all over my feet. I'm, you know, and, and okay, I am a little older than the average hiker for 14ers, but who cares? So we, my brother and I go into this little tiny famous pizza place that all the bikers hang out in that do this ride that I can't remember. And we go in there and we sit down. We order a big, huge pitcher of Coca-Cola. I drinking that thing down. I did the same thing. It was just like, oh, and we ordered a pizza each. Yeah. Not, not pizza for both of us. And you ate the whole thing. A pizza each. And you ate the whole thing. And we're slugging this down in a couple of, couple of ladies walking in. A couple, I don't know, one's 40 something, another 30 something, my guess. And one of them's really in shape and the other is kind of not. And they, they sit down. This is a very this is a very small little booth area beside us. They sit down right next to us and they want to chat us up. And my brother and I are like, we're like zombies. We don't I, like I don't want to speak. I, I shouldn't talk about my brother that way. He's probably ready to go for another one. Matter of fact, we did. Was that the second day in a row? Anyways, we did two on that that trip. They sit down and start talking about all this stuff and how they've just been riding, you know, 50 miles on their bikes up there at 13,000, 12,000 feet. I'm like, like, shut up. Let me I eat said, my Mark, pizza. Let's leave. I do not want to sit next to these two. <laughs> we got to give him. They're making us feel like shit. Too cheery. And we had to get up after we were cheery with them. We talked them up and everything. Mm-hmm. But as we got up off out of there to walk across the street to get into the, the his, his truck, I was like, oh my God, I cannot I cannot limp across the street. I've got to act like I'm okay. We sat there and chatted these people. You got, you know how to, and this is a male ego thing. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, totally like, I don't know ego. how this is, but don't I do also understand. You don't know what he's me. talking don't about. Don't be shaking your head at all. Wolf. No. Oh, yeah. Wolf's got a broken paw. What are you talking gonna, about? You, I sat down like at the, it's not broken. I sat down You'll at the end of Yosemite. I sat down at the end of Yosemite and spoke with four drunk hikers who I saw earlier that day and said, I had this shit kicked out of me. I feel like garbage and I made it. Yeah, I literally you, said, you that said that to them. That to them be, and then you looked at them and said, but you got the shit kicked out of you. No, they were fine. They were totally fine. I, I look, I have no shame. I will tell someone wow, when I've been defeated. Like, this is that's no a generational shame. thing. No shame at all. We've talked about many times. I will. That is a generational I thing. I will sit me, down 
down and tell I someone. Will, I could have bloody stubs for yeah. feet, and I'll walk across that street like nothing's hurting me. Oh, I mean, I'll walk across the street, but you're going to see me, like, limp. No, that's my point. You can't. I mean, I'm not going to complain about Ned limping. Never let him see you suffer. What are you, a deer? So, a deer? <laughs> so we've all had our hiking experiences. Have right? we? Yes. But I want to hear about some of these ones that are not so happy ending. <sighs> well, for all of our listeners, prep your buttholes, because this is, uh, this is, it's, it's morbid. Um... We're going to talk about some stuff that is probably not really, um, it's not the rule. This is exceptions to the rule. I mean, normally hiking is kind of like flying in a plane. It's super, super, super safe. Um, and the things that happen um, outside of that are outlier scenarios in, in the grand words, scheme of numbers. In other words, if you're worried about hiking before be. this, you'll never go after. Yes, yeah, stay inside <laughs> forever. Bottom line is if you want to go hiking or you want to visit a national park, you should and plenty of people do. Yeah. This is a very small drop in the bucket oh, there's, of there's, people who actually visit and quite enjoy many times over national parks. Well, I think over the last 15 years, it's been like 3.5 billion visits. Um, yeah. So there, it's the numbers are insignificant, but these things are pretty sad. Um, and, you know, before we get into it, uh, just condolences to everyone who's been affected by some of these individuals, um, especially people who are currently missing. Uh, hopefully this brings attention to them. And, you know, let's uh, let's all hope that they're found soon. Um, every year, hundreds of millions of visitors uh, occur and visit national parks. National parks are known to be incredibly safe, but there have been incidents where people have died, gone missing, or something unexplained has occurred. In 2019, National Park Service Chief Spokesman Jeremy Barnum stated that there's an average of six deaths each week within the considerable national park system, or 312 deaths per year, or one death for every million visitors. Based on data compiled from 2007 to 2018 by PSBR.law, drowning is the leading cause of death with falls and slips, natural causes, suicide, uh, and suicide falling close behind. Vehicular deaths also happen to be a proxy issue because people die driving all the time, so that is also included. Um, over those 12 years, around 2,700 uh, deaths occurred, spread across hundreds of sites in the U.S. national park system. Interestingly enough, over that 12-year time, only eight people were killed by wild animals. During those 12 years, 3.5 billion recreational visits occurred, bringing the statistic above to eight deaths per 10 million visits. You know, I got I to interject just for a second because you were talking about the, the deaths that are included in vehicular mm -hmm. accidents and such. And of course, that means somebody's distracted, taking snapshots of, of you know, half dome and drive over a cliff kind of kind of crap, yeah. at least in part. But I, I can tell you that these death rates would be 10 times higher if they wouldn't have fixed a lot of the roads going to these places. Oh, yeah. Because when I was a kid, we go, you know... My, dad, seat my dad would... Well, seat belts. What were seat belts? Tires were made of rocks. Different times. Well, it was like Flintstones. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you stick out your feet. <laughs> well, we used to, we used to, my dad used to pile us all in the county squire, which was, you'll have to look is up. Is that a car? It was a county squire. It had, it was, it had fake, like, fake, fake wood on the side. It was a station wagon. Got the and county squire there, from we, Cadillac. We, we'd, I mean, we'd go to sleep laying in the back window. The town right? crier from Ford? <laughs> town crier. <laughs> What the just, hell? Just the, That's the like name. the model names. Yeah, model A. Model the B. county judge from Chevrolet. 
<laughs> Who named that fucking the dog? The town whore <laughs> from, <laughs> from, <laughs> from from GM. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so is that where they got the 50 whores power? The, uh, that's pretty uh-huh. good. That was a good one. I'll give you, you know what? You deserve one an per- applause. You deserve an applause for that one. There you go. You Thank got you. it. You Thank got you very it. much. Yeah. <laughs> but so we we all pile in there the five of us mm. and we go screaming down the road from from michigan out toward like colorado or something mm-hmm. and and with with our family was we had this great little pop-up camper which my brother and i always used to have to sleep in the back of the truck there's not enough room for us but but we'd go out on these trips and you know it was all about dad we got to race somebody to the next overpass or underpass how many cars can we pass before we get there? And my dad would cruise along at 55 or whatever it was back then. We've done that because today. I've been on trips with you, and we've done that in your car <laughs> Where do you think I got it from? today. Yeah. I just thought it was a weird quirk. Like, oh, no, no, I noticed there's tradition. other cars. Far away. And, you know, you drive down the highway back then, and, you know, people were throwing their hamburger wrappers out the window and shit like it was nothing nobody even thought about that stuff until the indians started crying and then then people paid attention to that oh you don't even gosh. know what i'm what talking a about boomer sentence I, I, that was i'm just gonna hope it's true. I'm, I'm gonna, i believe you chief something or another they had a great commercial do we have a boo button i know do we have a boo button just here boo, just boo out boo. loud there you go. Boo. i know exactly what commercial you're yeah, talking it was, about it was a great but commercial it, it actually got people's attention it sounds like the people are like, I'm going to drive up to KFC people. and throw my bag they out the window. That. Not our family. I swear to God. Not our. Oh, ours I know. Was, no, I you know, know. You know. I know that. Dad, they, I know my I mean, we extended were, family we were, would we never do such a thing. We were crushing cans and recycling before. Hell, we It was had, cool. Yeah, I, mean, I know. They got rid of the county squire and they went right to a Honda Civic. Okay. Yeah, I know. So, you guys, You guys should have been like. Driving an electric car back in the 60s. Look, if my parents would have kept their, their original, they were like first adopters with Macintosh. And they would have been true hippies be, if they didn't have you guys when they were younger. Yeah, they avoided the hippie though yeah. by getting, you know, having kids. Yeah. <laughs> but but my whole point in going Does out Does one there, really ever avoid the hippie dumb? Well, they Listen, don't, they don't they, so. or, or they did the hippie dumb later and just never their talked car about model it. was. I got pictures of my dad hey. playing a guitar okay. in a white turtleneck up yeah, to here. But no they but, had so. the first Tesla model called the town whore, as you were saying, right? Like some reminiscent yeah. of recent events. But you did you go to national parks then in that well, car? A lot of time it was you know we we would camp anywhere there was a campsite national parks sometimes i i recall driving through yellowstone and things like that but the but the point is when you get into colorado and up into the mountains and everything dude when you're in a county squire with no seatbelt on and your dad's driving too fast behind a town which is like five miles an hour over whatever speed line and there's two lanes that's it one Mm -hmm. in one direction one in the other and you're on these mountain passes in for whatever reason, I was always the one on the outside. You had a really shining childhood, like the book, when they're Shut driving up. through the, the the mountains Here's and they're playing Johnny. the music. And That's right. Like you know, you're you're sitting but in the we background. We stayed in a pop up camper instead of a. Yeah, this music's playing well, in the background. You know, like they've got like yeah, I reused it. I like that my, one. My point is, is that every mile, yeah, there was a section where. If they if they put up some metal guardrails, there were like a section where it had been run through by some vehicle. 
Yeah, it's because, and the rest of it had no. Well, do you want to know why it was run through? Is because the kids in the back had touched the light in the car, blinded the drivers, and that's why everyone who's not a millennial, Gen Xers, Boomers, never lets the children touch the light in the car. That's why. Did you know that statistically? Responsible for a lot of deaths, really. Honestly, all I'm saying is this death rate you talked about would be ten times higher. Oh, it was if included. They fix if, the damn roads. Yeah. Well, think about it. These national parks are in places usually where not a lot of people live nearby so they're usually hard to get to which means yeah. the roads well, are really complicated and weird and cliffs and all these things and but it's not just yeah. that the whole national was it teddy roosevelt that started that i believe yes the national parks yes i, I what a great thing to have oh done. yeah i mean wonderful. otherwise all these places would have freaking mansions in them by now i know there'd be a jeff bezos mansion on top of half dome today i'm telling you that place is gorgeous honestly, and it should stay unpopulated. I kind of wish, part of me kind of wishes just a little bit that like we would slip into an alternate dimension just for a little bit and where, actually like, see that. Like where the, like, the Zuck has yeah, like a like, has like an industrial complex attached to yeah, El Capitan. Or like what's his name from Twitter, former guy would Jack be, Dorsey would it be like run living by on Storks. He's like living on top of Mount Rushmore, you know? Like I like I'd love to see that. That would be hilarious. And it would was you reference Storks? It's like a six year old movie. I love that movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> it, it, it is a good it's movie. It's like a six year old I mean it's a good movie. It, the, <laughs> I t- totally flew over my, that flew over my head. Ha ha ha! See, I actually have I have one of those because you know we actually we're technology t- technology driven here. Um, but yeah, uh, I would kind of like to see that if we were to slip into another dimension. But anyway, uh, as someone would expect, uh, only four parks saw more than a hundred deaths between 2007 and 2018. So. Uh, they're all really big parks, which would make a lot of sense. Uh, it's Lake Mead National uh, Recreation Area had 201 deaths. Yosemite National Park had 133. Grand Canyon National Park at 131. And Nashes Trace Parkway had 131. Um, but a lot of these parks, uh, much like with anything that's worth doing, have really low uh, deaths per, you know, um, 10 million visits. Right. So for example, even though Yosemite has a, had 133 deaths over the last 12 years, the deaths per 10 million business uh, visits is only 28. Whereas a park like North Cascades national park, I believe that's in Washington has a death rate of 652 that's per 10 million higher than anybody else. What the hell is that about? Well, Cascades here in the mountains, right? Yeah. Is that just a larger well, there's less people that go too, because um, yeah. it's. I mean, you're way up north, which I want to go. So I'd love had a to go. Thousand people total go. Six hundred. Well, D- Denali is well, in like, Alaska, It's like sixty-five. Right? I think you know, that the yeah, numbers are screwed, but still. it's out of every ten million. It says, yeah. So. Yeah, Denali's the next. That's in Alaska. Yeah, th- these are all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's Upper no, Delaware. <laughs> well, Upper Delaware. That's because they had recordings that you played earlier yeah. in Delaware. Yeah, mm. God. Uh, so not to detract away from our podcast theme, national parks can be dangerous. Uh, I guess the only advice we can give you from Wolf and Bull uh, is just be smart, don't die. That's great advice. Be smart, don't die. I think we should have t-shirts. Uh, that's a great that. t-shirt. Yeah, that would be really good. Be smart, don't die. Um, now, to the real topic, the hundreds so. of reported people who have gone missing and the reported fatalities with un- with unknown or undetermined causes and the missing persons whose bodies have never been located. That's what I really want to talk about. Um, now, specifically related to national parks, there is an organization called the ISB, which is the Investigated Services Branch, uh, referred to as the FBI. 
FBI of National Parks system. The investigated services branch is mainly uh, in a branch that deals with serious crimes that occur within national parks. Uh, only 33 ISB agents are operating out of four field offices, and those four offices are responsible for nearly 85 million acres of park service land in 423 areas spread across, across the country. So I would say they're understaffed a significantly. Little, a little. Um, in 2019, the agency investigated 674 cases. 59% of those cases were crimes against persons. That's like 15 cases each. Yeah. That's, I don't, how does that happen? If, I mean, they must prioritize only the worst well, ones. We'll, we'll get, begin. we'll get to that. Cause this is, there's something we're going to talk about in a little bit that is specifically reflective on how bad, uh, our government, our government is especially when we can't pronounce true international pressure. Uh, the Pacific office alone conducted 13 homicide and manslaughter investiga investigations in 2019 and 12 questionable method of death investigations. Unfortunately, it's actually notoriously difficult to gather total homicide and missing person numbers within national parks, purely mm. because the system itself is not centrally based. It's not centrally combined. Um, so that causes a whole bunch of overlap. It causes a bunch of, I would argue, probably duplication in some instances. And there's not a whole ton of communication. So if you aren't smart and do happen to die in national parks, um, you might some not be found. Some people are smart and things just happen to them. You might want to That clarify. is obvious. I'm just <laughs> playing off of the be smart, don't die slogan that we have. Of course. Of Dude, course. You know, we, uh, we talked in, I don't know which podcast number that was about a couple of campers that disappeared in South America. 46. And number 46. I think it was. You know, both those or numbers, 44. you know, both those numbers, what they are, they're not prime. Are you talking about, <laughs> are you talking <laughs> about the hikers in Panama? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. Uh, but, but they my, weren't my camping, point is, but yes. is that there's, there's all kinds of things. I mean, I, I, I can remember a time when we were doing some hikes, very interesting ones. You guys have not been on it, but, but, uh, this is the only bull story, so we, you know, there was just shit, right? So it, it but yeah, we were hiking yeah. in, in in Maui, or maybe it was Kauai. I don't know, one of those islands. Joke. But but any any event, uh, you know, walking across the stream, I turned my ankle, right? That could have been a broken ankle, just like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Anybody can get in an accident. Break your break your ankle, fall down in a river, get washed down into a waterfall, and drown. Yeah, done. Yeah, so be smart. Don't don't die. die. Yeah, yeah. Good you should have wore ankle high boots. Were you? No, exactly. Be I've smart. Got, don't I've die. Got ankles like bird. It just. <laughs> I've got bird ankles. It's <laughs> another T-shirt. <laughs> uh, so there's obviously you know amongst missing persons, which we'll get to in a second. There's been notable murders within national parks. Um, in the grand scheme of things, number-wise, there's been very few. Obviously, that's kind of the case with homicides in general. Uh, comparable to deaths, it's just a very small percentage. Um, but the vast expanse of national parks makes them prime spots for covering up, you know, people or bodies or lizard human hybrids that you had to get rid of because of you know certain evil versus good you know narratives mm. um but according to some researchers heat can actually cause erratic violent behavior and crime rates appear to cool with the seasons um the highest attendance for national parks is during the summer months and a large portion of violent crimes occur while visitors are outside during that time that also happens to be true for major cities not a joke. That's an actual thing. It's like summertime. 
A lot more of people out and about, more interactions, more trouble. A lot of dying's mm. going to happen. So, you know, it's because it's too hard when it's cold. Exactly. It's just um, cold. You're like, on. I just put me in a blanket burrito. I don't want to interact yeah. with if anybody. You're wearing that giant coat. You're not sure what that kind grudge of I'm holding against this person. I'll deal with it six months from now. I got. You like, guys I remember that? Hibernate. I got a hot coffee for you. Guys remember yeah. that movie Four Brothers? Remember that with uh with uh, I think Mark Wahlberg was in it, and they were in Michigan. Yeah, you know how that movie wasn't accurate? It's because it was snowing and these guys were shooting each other in the snow. No, no. They're peeling out in the snow and they're driving these old, like, freaking Oldsmobile vehicles, Dude, you know, gang banging. No, I grew up they in Michigan. There no. was plenty of that shit going on. You just debunked you, yourself. No. You're supposed to agree with me. Everyone I hibernates. Agree. I rarely agree with you. Well, you're supposed to, in this instance, agree with the premise that you push, where people are more violent during the summers, which I said they a second are. ago. That's just because there's fewer out and about to shoot each other. Four Brothers but is based four, on a true story. I know, but believe me, Michigan is a big, in the winter, yes, does it get freaking cold, but it's mostly wet and snowy. That's a good movie. And it's a big slush monster is what it is most of the time. And so you want to go out and you want to do donuts in the parking lot and you want to shoot up things. That's what they did. You lived in the Midwest version of the Wild West. Well, at one time it was the Wild West. No, it was the wild. No, uh, yes, way wild be, west. No, way, be, way, way long the, the ago. Wild Michigan, fur Michigan. Trapper. Come on, who grew up on the? Uh, what president? What sixteenth president of the United States grew up in the wilderness? <sighs> in he did the not, wilderness, he did not grow up in Michigan. No, but it's right there. Abraham Lincoln. That's right. Kentucky, Kentucky, and Kentucky Michigan. Yeah, and they're Illinois. nearby. They're nearby ish. Well, Kentucky was. Oh, oh my God. Michigan. Okay, history lessons. Kentucky. Tennessee. Tennessee. New York. Hawaii. Is, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> you got it. You got yeah. Florida. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously things things are crazy. Um, people get a little bit crazier during the heat. I know I do uh, living in a desert you, hellscape. You get crazier when the moon's out. That too. Um, so I'd love well. to talk about a, a few notable murders that actually happened um, within national parks. Uh, the first one being Sarah Ellis. She, uh, this happened in the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is a national park that extends 550 miles southwest from southern Pennsylvania through Maryland, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia. I had never heard of this national park before until today. So I am Blue Ridge Mountains, informing baby. Mountain Mama. That, yeah, there, there you go. Um, Sean Pendergraf and Sarah Ellis. Sean both, Penn? Sean Penn. Yeah, Sean Penn. Uh, Sean Pendergraf and, and Sarah Ellis both worked at the Pisgah Inn along the Blue Ridge Parkway in the summer of 2018. Pendergraf said the pair went for a hike one afternoon, but Ellis turned back when it began to rain. He found her hat and umbrella along the trail on his way back and reported her missing. Rangers quickly found Ellis's body just off the trail, and a day later, Pendergraf admitted to killing his co-worker. According to the indictment, Ellis was especially vulnerable due to a hearing impairment and Pendergraf killed her amid a sexual assault. Pendergraf pled, pleaded guilty to first degree murder and two counts of aggregated, so, yeah, aggravated sexual abuse. In 2020, he was sentenced to life in what prison. What does the hearing impairment have anything to do with that? She couldn't hear him coming. <laughs> nice. Honestly, what a coward. Seriously. Yeah. An idiot. I meant that. I have no pity for these way. people. Yeah, he's, like zero. he's a piece of shit. He was a piece of shit. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just interesting. I mean, I can see the... 
gonna say I can see the appeal. God, no, I can see the under the, the how people's brain works when it comes to like wilderness stuff. Like, oh, you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it, well, you I, don't I need to that, murder. You don't need to murder. It's a simple thing. Don't kill people. There's this. There's this. Be smart. Idea don't kill. That there's some kind of great, uh, you know. Now I was going to say exclusion, but you're just away from everything. So there's this idea that you're sequestered away from the, the, the I don't know, the scrutiny, yeah, if you will. So people try to get away with all kinds of shit. Well, he pled guilty to first degree murder. He meant to do it. Of course, oh, he absolutely did. Yeah. he did. Well, this is another one that happened in Blue Ridge Park, Parkway. Uh, I want to say it's Lila. Lila Pickering, uh, in 2016, park rangers spotted a vehicle parked along Blue Ridge Parkway when a man and a small child exited the vehicle and started descending a steep embankment. Mm -hmm. The rangers moved in to investigate. That's when Seth Willis Pickering suddenly stabbed his six-year-old daughter, Lila, in the heart, and she died at the scene. Uh, Pickering, amid a custody battle for his daughter, told rangers, now they will never be able to take her away from me. That, that is, sounds like that somebody that we both sad. despise. What's his name? I always think it's oh the Chris Watts. Yeah. Because a piece yep. of crap, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that's another one that happened. Absolutely terrible. And I just don't I don't understand what goes through people's brains. But see, that. these are these are these are murders. These are not even like this is this is just pure psycho evil sick. people sick, being sick and they just shit. happen to be in a national park while they're I mean, doing th it. Think yeah. about think about the I you know I always think about stuff like not like this, obviously. <laughs> I sit around and think about stuff. No, I, 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 it, there are things in my brain that I want to be able to explain when I see them out there and put them together logically. And of course, the last couple of years, there's been none of that. It's all been just a chaotic cycle of nonsense in a lot of different areas. But when you see something like this, it is, it just adds to that because. This person just simply felt that this that, that his daughter was a possession. Mm -hmm. It's my possession. No one else can have it. And if somebody else is going to take it away from me, I'm not going to let it happen. That that's not even. I, I don't even think it's human. You know, no, I think it's, it's not. Rest in peace, Lila. Yeah, yeah no well, kidding. Uh, that's the same thing. Well, that's the same thing with. I do too. Well, that's the same thing with like Chris Watts. It's like uh, you've listened to, uh, between the two of us, Beowulf is much more into the uh, the, you know. Well, you, the couch couch Beowulf because do you, do you disassociate yourself from when you, when you're reading and listening about these stories and things because it's really hard for me. Something um, like this one will hit me between the eyes. I only I only listen or watch things made by um like there's a couple like youtube shit i like i think so many people just bastardize all this like people i'm sorry i do not approve of people like doing their makeup and talking about no, this and, and like eating food and talking about like i and yeah we're talking about it right now but i i think we're approaching it differently than that well, i did it's, my makeup earlier i'm just saying i yeah i know a lot about this but i i don't enjoy it's not something i'd watch before bed you know it's well, I, I think it's very interesting to try to decipher why these things happen that's what that's why well, things yeah, like criminal it's, minds it's are so fun to watch i think it's yeah, also criminal it, minds you know, is you know fiction. but for real yeah, but, it also reminds me like there are certain things that i think about uh like if i'm gonna be alone in a national park hiking i would make sure that i have you know a 
pocket knife or all these things on me, not just for that reason, like, oh, what if I fall and need to cut a rope or something, but also like you're someone walking alone. And what if someone takes advantage of you in a, in a place where no one else can hear you and you can't escape? Well, it's, yeah. it's one thing to prepare yourself for accidents, falling down, breaking your ankle in a stream, you know, tripping over something, having a, a bear in the distance with its cubs, all those kinds of things. Or a bear in the distance with a rifle. I mean, that's even worse. <laughs> but 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 when, when it's other human beings, and when we're talking about national parks, that's what you're not expecting. Well, yeah. Well, and you're going out there to enjoy spectacular beautiful scenery and time away from all the cacophony of nonsense that's out there and you have somebody turn around i mean how many uh, there's there's hundreds of thousands of people go missing all the time i know you talk about this about 600,000 people a year go missing and 89% to 92 of them are found either alive or deceased Either alive or deceased. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean they're, they're not found words, at all? Found. I was like, you mean one or the other? But, but no, so, no you yeah. Mean, well, yes, statistically, yes, one or the so other. Eighty. What do you say? Eighty-nine to ninety-two percent. Okay, it's, so let's say it's ninety percent. So that means out of six hundred thousand, ten percent, sixty thousand, yeah. sixty thousand people are never found. Yeah. yeah. Well, at all. interestingly enough, I was reading, but while I was doing my research, there's actually a large portion of people that are also incarcerated. Um, so someone could be reported missing in one state and be incarcerated in another, and the the well, loopholes. there's always anomalies. Well, but let's yeah, say it's ten percent just for the it sake. It most of likely about. is, but that's an, a it, thing I found to be strange. But my my point of all this is you've got you've got all this grandeur. You know intuitively as a human being that with with these beautiful places, these national parks, there's a risk. You go walking up to the Grand Canyon, and there are places there are no rails there. Not at least for the most of the Grand Grand Canyon is a giant place. You can walk up to the edge of it. You can get shoved over or trip and fall and fall in. Well, here's the Either thing way, too is that you know you're very. It's very unlikely for this to happen to anybody. It's very unfortunate when it does. And if it does happen to you, it's much more likely to be somebody you know and not a random stranger. As the two people we just talked about just now, Lila and Sarah, were both killed by people that were close to them. Well, that happens. So, yeah. Well, that happened. Also, you have to remember that a lot of this, and we'll get to this in a second, but a lot of this is also tied back to uh, known causes of death. So there are plenty of deaths that occur within national park systems that are actually unknown and can't be determined. So, I mean, what be it animals eating the corpse or there being, you know, the, the exposure getting to the body. So there's a lot of deaths that occur that because of the miscommunication specifically, we'll get to this in like a few minutes, specifically because of Congress and the federal government not passing certain laws. There are a lot of instances in which we can't determine this stuff because the national parks are almost like sovereign states. Almost run like a separate. They thing. are run like a separate thing. So it's 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 very much a difficult kind of gray area for a lot of these instances. And these that I'm talking about, some of them I think I think most of them are are determined um, specifically when it comes to the mur the murders that I I researched and picked. I think most of them are determined by people that they found. But then when it comes to missing persons, a lot of them are just unexplained instances. Like it's like right. no one knows, mm -hmm. which is weird. Um, but yeah, the next one uh, happened in Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, Colorado. When Harold Henthorne called 911 on September 12, 2012, or September 29, 2012, he told dispatchers his wife Tony had fallen during a hike in Rocky Mountain National Park and sustained a head injury. I believe this was actually on missing 411, if I remember correctly. Something no, we watched. No, um, this is there's a documentary for this on uh, I think it's HBO now or another one, but yeah. I, the story is 
part of the reason why this is a big deal is because there's photos of them on the hike before mm-hmm. this happened. Um, and if I remember correctly, this particular hike, the path they chose was very obscure. It's not a marked path. It wasn't a marked path. So Henthorne claimed he didn't see how it happened and performed CPR on Tony while waiting for help. By the time a ranger reached them hours later, she was dead. Henthorne's story was filled with inconsistencies. As investigators dug into his personal life, they discovered his first wife also died from a suspicious death and uncovered damning evidence that either death, that neither of the death was, neither of the deaths were accidental. In 2015, a jury found Henthorne guilty of first degree murder. He is currently serving life in federal prison. Yeah, that's a particularly sad one. It's a good, it's a good, uh, you know, documentary. Well, the thing is he's taking pictures the whole time Mm -hmm. of his wife, uh, this this woman Tony, he's taking pictures of her, and there's a photo right before um, she falls, and as as it was found in court, he pushed her off the cliff. Yeah, it's very terrible, terribly well, sad. Well, I think the thing that I want to get at when it comes to these type of incident, like these type of discussions, is that, and I've had this discussion with you for, I mean, multiple times, Beowulf. Is I, I don't have a problem with talking about this stuff. I have a problem with glorifying it, and. What I mean by that is, as you were saying, is there's a ton of bad faith documentaries or people that are on you know different platforms that talk about this in a form of uh, I don't want to like say like glorification to well, some degree. Well, you look at things like we talk. You mentioned the Chris Watts thing, which yeah. is one of the worst tragedies it's I've ever heard despicable. in my life. It's despicable and disgusting, and that man is somehow still alive today. But that's my personal opinion. Anyway, he. Um, Online, there's a huge subset of people who uh, pretty much blame the victim of that entire case for everything, which is, in my opinion, absolutely despicable as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, but there's but that's that's victims. the thing. Victims. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm speaking about his his wife Shanann specifically, but uh, that kind of behavior and even some of these unsolved cases, it's one thing to, to try and figure out. And there's been there's been online communities who have solved cases. I know there's the famous documentary. Um, don't f with cats on ne- on Netflix. It yeah, talks yeah. about the 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 man who killed somebody in Canada a couple of years we ago. That, that was a big thing, and the internet played a huge part in finding him, and that was amazing. But there are um, there's a huge part of the documentary too where they accused someone who's totally innocent, and they just ruined someone's life. And that's and when you look at that type of thing, you look at the I have my opinions again at like making a murderer on mm-hmm. Netflix. Which was terribly, um, terribly inaccurate and inconsistent across the board. I, I have my opinions on that, but um, or or uh, the serial podcast, which was one of the number one podcasts and one of the first podcasts to really take off, which was all about Adnan Saeed, who's currently serving mm-hmm. a life term for killing mm-hmm. his girlfriend uh, uh, Haley. I think her name is. Oh, uh, you want geez. me to check? I'm pretty sure it's Haley. That sounds from, that sounds right. Um, um, but either way, either way, it's just. Um, I understand completely that there are people in prison today who shouldn't be there. Unfortunately, Heyman that is Lee. Heyman Lee, Haley, Heyman Lee. Sorry, I'm sorry about that. Hey, her name was Hey. Um, there are people in prison today for things that they shouldn't be sure. But I think sometimes we sensationalize some cases on we cast a spotlight on some people that they get a lot so this- of support. And this, it gets this, really ugly. It's the same thing with people writing love letters to Ted Bundy. You yeah. get all sorts of weird behavior. And well, you I know. think this always brings up a, a, a conundrum for me because there's there's always going to be people out there that are the quote unquote justifiers. In other words, anything you bring up, 
you, there's there's got to be a reason that that happened. Of course, there's a reason that happened. There's always a reason behind there, but it, it's there's there's a twofold thing that happens. First of all, there's taking that situation. You love to talk about Ox, Oscom's razor, Oscom, Oscom's, Oscom's. Thank you very much. much. Oscar's razor, Oscar's a razor, new razor company the, by Wolf and Bull, the, by Sesame Street apparently. By Oscar. Sesame Street. Anyway, the 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 idea that the simplest thing is generally correct. That's kind of your first premise. You have to go there. As human beings, we have to go there. And it does put wrong people in prison sometimes. It absolutely mm -hmm. does. But that's the first step. After that, you can look at all the the peripheral reasons that something could have occurred. And if you find enough of those reasons don't jive with the original idea of what happened, then you can make alterations to that, that um, decision that's been made. But you, you can't do otherwise than that. Otherwise, you can justify anything because there's always, quote unquote, reasonable doubt that can be brought up into the mind of people listening. And a watching. good defense well, lawyer will, will bring it. find well, I it think, and bring it. And then you have people like Casey Anthony who walk free. Well, I think that's the, the real problem, though, is when we sensationalize these type OJ. Specifically, OJ specifically when it comes to these particular incidences, when we sensationalize them, there's always going to be a large subset. And when I say large, I mean larger than one of individuals who are always going to side with the people that are being defended with the, with the people that were probably the perpetrators. I mean, that's just the, I would say that's probably the rule of contrarianism. I mean, especially today, there's always going to be people, there's always going to be people by just rule of thumb. They're going to be like, I'm just going to disagree. And that group is going to grow into a larger group because there's individuals that are easily swayed by things. We can talk about this ad infinitum when it comes to conspiracies like there has to be a baseline where everyone agrees otherwise as the bull just said you can justify anything you go down one rabbit hole of you know somebody's a lizard person and all of a sudden everybody's a lizard person and my whole thing is like when it comes to sensationalization if we want to talk about people from the perspective of the victim's uh, preservation like respect for the victim and then talking about ted bundy that's one thing right but if we talk about Ted Bundy and don't treat the victims as if they were actually human beings, then all you're doing is you're participating in the very act that Ted Bundy participated in before he took someone's life. Cause that's where it starts. You're giving right? Ted Bundy exactly what he was looking for in the first place. Mm -hmm. He's he's I, I can, can anybody here? Well, you, you probably can bail, but I can't think of the name of a single one of his victims, but I know his name. No, because I, I, I can't. you probably can. I know there was one no, that I, I remember one that got know. away, but I don't know his name. But my whole point is that you have you have this this uh, focal point, which is the perpetrator or the likely perpetrator, even the innocent person that has the focus on them, and then you have all these data points on the outside that are the victims. Yeah, it's it's, it's flipped on its head. Yeah, and, it's and, and it's a good system because in one way because you have to have innocent till proven guilty, and the preponderance of the evidence needs to be a deep and strong enough to put that person in a position of guilt and put them away. And that's a difficult thing to ask. Yeah, but should the preponderance of evidence be determined via an entertainment piece? No. Absolutely not. And that's to Bale's point earlier about the the podcast. Well, podcast Serial or they, any because, podcast. Because evidently, not evidently, for sure, the reason for those podcasts is for what? Money. It's entertainment and to make money. 
Entertainment, and in, then in one would argue business. awareness. So it's, it, this goes back uh, to yeah, our but, whole but, but news versus not Yeah, but here's the thing: is the awareness thing is such it's such a crock. Well, I mean, like, that, what, that what, what do I mean by this? In specific, well, was me, campaigned for by his defense. Sure, but lawyer. let me defi- let me de- like explain for a second. When people say they're bringing something awareness to something, because it's utilized, like it, it's been beaten to death. And because of that, you can say that for anything. Like when I said earlier about bringing awareness to this, I actually mean helping to find these people who are missing. I don't care if anything comes back to us in any way because I want these people to be found. People matter. And when it comes to podcasts like that, I'm sure that's the position that they take. But from perspectives that I've seen when it comes to people who are, you know, uh, couch detectives, couch activists, that's not the rule. That's the exception. When people say, you know what, what matters is finding this person. The exception is that nowadays. And I could be just, that could just be my cynical opinion. Well, I think that's a, I think I think that's that, a great position to take. I, I, you know, that, I think that position changes for people over time. But I think that position is a great one to take because I think not knowing is probably worse for most people. You don't get closure. That's my whole point. Yeah. You don't. You never know. It's always in your mind. I mean, luckily, I have no one close to me that I even know that's been through any of that or has been disappeared or any of that kind of stuff. But there's a whole lot of 600,000 people a year, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 90% of them, hopefully, have at least some closure. The other 10%, the other 60,000 have none. Yeah. The families of those people have no closure, have no idea what happened. And in their mind, they've made up 40 different stories on what happened. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's that's really the unfortunate part about, I guess, I wouldn't say just American society. I think first world society, and I would say any society really, really. I think there's probably reflections in different ways. Um, but let's get back to some of these other individuals. Uh, Armin Johnson, uh, this happened in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Um, not long after moving to Hawaii from Seattle, 44-year-old Armin Johnson went for a hike in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park in 2005. His body was later found 100 yards from the, oh God. Mama Lahoa. There we go. Uh, highway. Thank God you've been there more than I have. Uh, Johnson died of a single gunshot shot wound to the back of the neck in what some called an execution-style killing. Investigators have been unable to determine the motive or name a suspect for over 15 years. That's horrible. That wasn't a crime of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You can tell just by what they're talking about. Yeah, and that's it? that's... So well, it could have been a mix him. of both. I mean, it could have been a crime of opportunity, but could again, been, like... But- it's just Again, one here we're doing the same thing the loved ones probably do. I have no idea. Well, hopefully happened. there's closure there. I mean, you know? it's been a long time, but hopefully they figure it out. I mean, that person who killed him deserves to go to jail and frankly, in my opinion, deserves to uh, mm-hmm. receive the same uh, end. Um, Joey Armstrong, uh, Yosemite National Park. In 1999, the decapitated body of Joey Armstrong was found along a stream near a campground for workers in Yosemite National Park. Carrie Stainer, whom police had interviewed in another murder case earlier that year, confessed just a few days later to murdering Armstrong and three other women after fantasizing about killing since he was a child. The the Yosemite serial killer was convicted of all four murders and is currently on death row. I remember hearing about that one. I didn't even know that existed. I don't know. Carrie Stainer, a stain on humanity. Yeah. And then there's Lolly Winnens and Julie Williams in Shenandoah National Park. Uh, in May of 1996, 26-year-old Lolly Winnens and 24-year-old Julianne Williams set out for a trip to Shenandoah National Park with their golden retriever. 
when they didn't return home as planned several days later, Julie's father reported them missing. On June 1st, park rangers found the woman's bodies near their campsite, hands bound, mouths gagged, and throats slit. Although authorities arrested Daryl Rice, DNA found at the scene didn't match the suspect and charges were dropped. The grisly murders remain unsolved. Now, most of these large areas... Um, most of these parks are like have a ton of unexplored territory. Uh, for example, Alaska's St. Elias National Park and Preserve covers almost 13.2 million acres of unexplored territory that people have not been in. Uh, same goes for uh, the park we mentioned recently with uh, up in Washington that I said a second ago. Cascade. Yeah. Um, so Yellowstone National Park also has a 50 square mile section, which I alluded to earlier, of land known as the Zone of Death, located in Idaho with hazy jurisdiction lines that could hypothetically allow perpetrators to get away with more from a legal perspective. Now, Bull. What do you mean by that? Say you were a murderer. Okay. We're going to take you, Bull suspect and we're going to criticize and determine whether you're guilty mm -hmm. um all apparently, you have to apparently do apparently people are thinking i'm guilty already well look you're at you. condemning look at me you. without even knowing me what do you only mean, look at you're me? wearing blue the color of trust only the someone who is trying trust. to manipulate only someone who wants that. you to trust him yeah. for nefarious purposes uh -huh. this wear is blue. not the face of a murderer right so <laughs> say you were a murderer in that area all you'd have to do is invoke the Sixth Amendment, uh, the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, favor and to have assistance, uh, the assistance of counsel in his defense. The District of Wyoming has purview all over all of Yellowstone National Park, and even though parts of it are in Montana and Idaho, the accused, the bull in this instance, has the right to jury composed entirely of people living in both Idaho and the District of Wyoming, i.e. people living in the Idaho part of Yellowstone. No one currently lives there, so an impartial Perfect. jury cannot be formed, and you, bull, walk free. Now, this was pointed out by Michigan State Law Professor Brian Colt in his 2005 Georgetown Law Journal article, The Perfect Crime. And I think the bull... All I did was stand there on the hillside. But what didn't you majestically. do? Majestically. What didn't you do? Wow. Yeah, exactly. That well, would have, that's, that, I want to read that paper well what's interesting is that the, the perfect crime paper mm -hmm. well what's interesting is this problem still persists this was pointed out in 2005 and it is still per, uh, currently a problem despite recent attention brought about by the gabby petito case um and the work from brian call in 2005 congress still has yet to do anything about this at a federal level well, well the gabby a, petito case solved itself because uh that idiot went and offed himself in a florida swamp didn't yeah, he, he? Did. in a national park probably down there mm. yep yeah. You know, this is a this is a legal loophole. I've heard about this loophole before because it's it's defined by state jurisdictions and county jurisdictions. And uh, hey, the Sixth Amendment says you better get somebody that that lives in this county to to you know a jury of my peers and everything like that. I mean, what are you gonna put a moose and a, a bear and whatever else on the jury? So, but if if as you said earlier, these parks are sort of their own little countries anyway. Wouldn't the jurisdiction of Wyoming supersede that? 
Well, that I would. Think, well, that's, if I was a lawyer, that's well. What that's I would the argue. problem, though, is is because it's conflated with two other states. That particular fifty miles is in Idaho, so you're infringing upon I Idahoian Idaho Idahoian law. Um, so I mean, I guess that's the term there. So I think that's the complication is I, I would, I understand what you're saying, but that's, that's a state enforcing its laws upon another state. Now, granted in that instance, I'm sure Idaho would probably comply. I'm sure Montana would probably comply. But again, this is a thing that we'll only know when someone drives. Well, this is a thing that Congress should do. I think what they would, I mean, do. it's. They've got a couple other things they need to do first, in my opinion. They don't but. Well, yeah, Shit. that's Are you they don't do, they anything, won't do no. anything. Well, I guess my, my point still remains, though, is it, as someone, you know, representatives, please do your job. I mean, that is just simple. I mean, it's been, you know, 15, it's been 17 years. So, I mean, we can, uh, we can all determine that, uh, it's been long enough. Am I doing my math right here? 17 years? Yeah. 2005. Yeah. Yes. So, so, uh, so my whole, my whole thing is just, it's just something that they should fix amongst other things. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's some of the murders that I found, uh, associated with national parks. Obviously I know it's really morbid. It's terrible. Hopefully, you know, people that haven't gotten closure with those instances do get closure. Hopefully all the people that were the victims, uh, have found some solace in the afterlife and hopefully all the perpetrators, uh, rot. Um, now there's notable missing person cases, uh, associated with national parks as well. Um, there's a staggering amount of people that go missing every year, as mentioned earlier. Most cases are pretty self-explanatory. Someone dies from exposure, avalanches, animal attacks, etc. Um, then there are the ones that don't make any sense at all. Now, the data that I pulled out of my butt a little bit ago, about 600,000 people uh, per year going missing, is actually from NAM US, which is the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System. Um, about 600,000 plus people go missing in the United States every year with anywhere between 89% and 92 of those percent being, uh, of individuals being recovered, either alive or deceased. As of the, as of this podcast episode, neither the department of interior, which oversees the national park service, nor the department of agriculture's U S forest service keeps track of those that disappear. It seems wild. like a large number of people that are found. Mm-hmm. It really does. It surprises me, actually. Well, I mean, you have to you have to remember people. What is it? Four, it's not forty eight hours. It's as soon as you know, right? Well, that yeah, that's that's a the first forty eight. That's nonsense. not true. No, yeah, four hours before you can. Uh, no, no, you mm-hmm. you, you, you can, can report as as you someone know. missing. You can report right anybody, right? but they're not going to do shit about it until they're gone. Uh, for it a depends. While. It depends. It's circumstantial. Also, a yeah. lot of people reported missing are probably kids who run away. Yeah, and they come, come back, back. Or, or, or or they never come back. Yeah. But, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. definitely interesting. Um. Now, as I said earlier, national parks like Yosemite operate almost as sovereign states. Um, that obviously, there's some opinion pieces on that, one of them specifically from the NY Post. Um, they're not inclined at all to seek help from outside government agencies. Um, now, just for some individuals who've gone missing, specifically because Beowulf and I were in Yosemite a little bit ago, uh, Yosemite has more than 750 miles of trails. Um, Joel Thomason, uh, 31 years old. He went missing on September 6th of 2021. If you know anybody or have any information on this, please report this. Uh, he went missing on a solo hike in the park. He was a United States army reservist and planned his hike from Hetch Hetchy to Lake Eleanor, which is a 9.1 mile hike. Uh, Ranger saw him on the first day near O'Shaughnessy Dam. After months of searching, the family has presumed that he died on that hike and he went missing, missing without a trace. 
Um, another individual, Sandra Johnson Hughes, 54 years old, has been missing since July 4th of 2020, camping by herself in the Sierra National Forest when she was involved in a solo vehicle crash. Uh, witnesses who saw her at the crash scene said she refused help. Her sleeping bag and campsite were found abandoned. Um, another incident of just someone disappearing. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then finally, Peter Jackson, not the filmmaker. Um <laughs> 74 years old, went missing after texting his son on September 17th, 2016, said he was hiking in Yosemite. His campsite was found undisturbed at White Wolf Campground with no sign of Jackson. In 2019, his backpack was discovered between Aspen Valley and Smith Peak. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this while we were hiking. Now, the the hike to Half Dome is like, there's a lot of people. Yeah, there's lots of traffic on it. Um. But I was thinking through some of the areas, I'm like, if you just walk off a little bit, mm-hmm. you could easily not find your way back. You think, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom or something. Well, we saw that. We saw that on the, the path. I mean, there was multiple hikers that went the wrong way. And we had to be like, hey, you're on the wrong path. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not that. I mean, it's marked, but it's not that well Well, well, here's the thing as well is you have to think about, I mean, you walk maybe a mile off path. No one's ever going to find you. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You walk a mile off path, no one's going to hear you. No one's going to hear well, you. No one's going to find you. Know, you. Like those 14ers we were talking about earlier, you get up above the timber line, nothing but rocks. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of scrub. And You're like, so where am All I? there is is little carns that people put up, you know, piles of rocks to, mm-hmm. to find where they went. And, you know, that's Joe Blow, just like me, that doesn't know where they're going, puts a pile of rocks up yes. and somebody follows in the wrong direction. And next thing you know, they're climbing on a cliff somewhere and they're gone. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's, uh, I mean, as much as I say that, you know, hiking and being outdoors is safe, obviously there are some risks. Um, that's why I always recommend go in groups more than two. Uh, I mean, you can go in two if you're experienced, but it's always best to go with two, three to four. Bring a um, whistle. Bring a whistle. And if you got to take a poop, you're better off with someone finding you. Poop on the trail. On the trail. <laughs> Just poop yeah. on the trail and bury in it. In the middle of the trail, preferably. <laughs> you have to bury, you have to bury your, your, uh, you do, yeah. your excrement. Yeah. Bury your scat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so bears don't come also to eat it. You can also have a really intimate experience. Lovely. Yeah. You can have an intimate experience with your fellow hikers by making unsolicited and unbroken contact, eye contact with them while you poop. So there's a benefit <laughs> there. Um, honestly, I, I do think that people need to just right. have less shame you know, you, your legs are broken, scream and cry about it. Just develop relationships that way. Make friends. Same thing with pooping in the wild. Um, who says you can't make friends when you got to poop? Just be careful what you're using to uh, clean up after Use your hands. Though. Then wipe oh, it on your Lord face. You'll mercy. blend in. Um, so, yeah, there's also Grand Canyon uh, in Arizona. Keeps mosquitoes away, though, I hear. Yeah, it does. Uh, I learned that. Bears. I learned that from Predator. Um, Bessie and Glenn Hyde went missing in 1928. Uh, this one is particularly I know about this one. A lot of people do. Um, Bessie and Glenn Hyde were honeymooning in northern Arizona at the Grand Canyon when they vanished. They were traveling down the Colorado River by scow, which is, I probably said that wrong, which is a type of ship, um, in October of 1928 and planned to boat through the Grand Canyon. Bessie would have been the first woman to do so had they been successful. Other boaters saw them and it seemed Bessie wanted to turn back but Glenn wanted to continue. Uh, He was the Alpha Chad, apparently. Uh, If they completed the trip successfully, then they could also go on a paid lecture tour. So there was a money incentive there. That would have been before the the dam up in Lake Powell as well. So Mm. the river would have been much, much Much different. different. Much, yeah. Probably much rapid. 
much yeah. more rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, well, interestingly, uh, seven and, and terribly, several months later, the Hyde's boat was discovered in the winter, seemingly undisturbed. It was upright and full of supplies, but the couple was gone, and no one knows what happened to them. No one knows if they got off and went on a trail, if there was some ill-based argument that, you know, they got in, but not a single person knows what happens, knows what happened, so... Yeah, but it's also, they they think that the boat overturned at a rapid, not overturned, but was, they were gone at a rapid point because she had a diary that she was writing in. Mm. And they were right before they were getting to mile marker 227, I'm pretty sure. And that is where some rapids are. And then they never wrote in the journal again. Yeah, but how, so. how would the uh, all boat the supplies be right with all Well, the, the boat was pretty big. The boat was pretty sizable. It looked I mean, like it a, was like a big wooden boat. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's what they did. It kind of looked like a yacht, like a small little yacht. Hmm. Yeah. Scows or scows, scows, Scow, I don't know. scows. Um, yeah, so they're pretty sizable. I thought I looked it up. I thought it was pretty interesting. But yeah, um, that's an interesting one. I'm sure there's people out there that think there's a conspiracy. There's supernatural. I was gonna say I'm 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 smelling on some of this stuff, like the taint of supernatural. Well, there is a large subset of the internet that would agree with you. I suggest you visit the Reddit thread. Four one one missing four one one. Well, when you do this, music will play. And it won't apparently. So. Mm, all right. It's okay. <laughs> There's no music. That's all right. Nice. I love music when it doesn't play on the system. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull podcast, <laughs> for the most technologically advanced podcast you have ever seen. Uh, so there's also a Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. Alfred Bilehartz uh, has been missing since 1938. Uh, considered to be the first recorded drowning in Colorado's Rocky Ma- Mountain National Park, he was camping over Fourth of July weekend when he disappeared near the Roaring and Fall Rivers. Uh, Bilehearts had gone with his dad to bathe in the river, and from there he decided to join two family mem- friends at a spot about 500 feet or 150 meters upstream of where he and his father entered the river. When everyone returned to camp, they realized that Bilehearts was missing. A search began immediately, expanding to more than 100 civilian conservation corps members within 45 minutes, but there was barely any sign of Bilehearts anywhere. A day after he disappeared, a couple hiking about six miles away from Bilehearts campsite reported seeing a boy who looked like Alfred sitting in an area called the Devil's Nest, but when authorities arrived, he was gone. The search went on for 10 days, including 150 men and bloodhounds, but was eventually ruled a drowned. So Alfred was a child. Mm-hmm. See, that's terrible. But also, when I hear the name Alfred, I am I automatically think of like Batman. an older. Na- no, I think of like an older, older person. But this is from 1938, Alfred. and it's hard to imagine a child named Alfred. But that's yeah. very sad. Yeah, hold him Alfie. Well, interestingly it's enough, over, have you over, ever tried? Have you ever tried swimming upriver at all? I can't say that I have. No, you know what? Cross river, upriver. When I matter. worked it's, it's, at a summer camp in Michigan. We had to, we would take the kids out on canoes, and we would. It, this is we literally call it like it was such a slow river. It was not impressive at all. It was mm-hmm. very slow, but you had to be so careful because if you fall out and, and you know people panic in shallow water, like they could stand up in it and it would be below their knees, and they still people still drown in water like that because they panic, and um, with a stream, actually a current going through, I yeah. can see how people pretty quickly well, I can don't see, make I it. I can see this guy. I mean, it was 150 feet upstream. Yeah. Upstream, mm-hmm. not downstream. No, no, so, no, no, no. 500 feet, 150 meters. 150 meters, meters up, up, upstream. So if, you, if you're going along the shore, even if it's shallow, th- that river 
turns deep, shallow, deep, shallow, mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. the place. All you'd have to do is caught in a little eddy, a little current, and all of a sudden you're swept down river. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, they didn't find a body, which is, I think, where people get hung up on. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of people at that time looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we go through these, you'll notice there's a kind of an uptick in associated help. Um, and even one of them actually created a particular organization within a state that didn't have it, uh, which I believe is the next one. Um, this occurred in Green Mountain National Forest in Vermont. Paula Weldon uh, has been missing since 1946. Uh, an area near Glastonbury Mountain and Vermont's Long Trail is known as Be- the Bennington Triangle. Uh-huh. Coined by paranormal author Joseph A. Citro during, uh, due to the supposed supernatural circumstances surrounding these vanishings. Uh, it got its name due to the handful of mysteries uh, and disappearances which occurred between 1945 and 1950, and many have actually occurred since then. Uh, she was an 18-year-old college student who set out on the long trail in December of 1946. She wore jeans and clothing that implied that she would return before dark when temperatures were supposed to dip below freezing. She told a roommate she was taking a long walk. Several people saw her as she hitchhiked her way to the trail and walked to the trailhead. When she didn't return, Weldon's roommate let the school know and a search began. Students and police assisted, but due to disorganization, the search didn't pan out. There's a rumor that the Long Trail is home to a creature called the Bennington Monster. He also has, strangely enough, that's his sounds. Um, but, uh... Yeah, so a Sasquatch-like creature that walks upright and is over six feet tall. Native Americans, specifically the Abenaki tribe, tribe part of the Algonquin Nation, believe their god, Tabaldoc, uh, lived at the peak of Glastonbury Mountain. The Abenaki also believe that the mountain was cursed because the four winds appear to meet at the peak and often change direction erratically. They also believe there was a man-eating stone on the mountain that would open up and swallow anyone who happened to step on it. The disorganization of the search resulted in the creation of the Vermont State Police, which is responsible for all wilderness search and rescue missions in the state. But yeah, she's been missing since then. Wow. Some people think that it's supernatural. Hmm. It could be. Who knows? The triangle. The Especially monster. the man-eating stone. The man-eating stone. I Actually, when you said that, I was like, God, that sounds like something straight out of Mordor. Yeah. You know? And, of course, we just talked about Peter Jackson, so that doesn't surprise me yes, at all. Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, then there's also the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in North Carolina. Uh, Dennis Martin has been missing since 1969. He was on a camping trip with his family in the number of... Num- yeah, in the summer of 1969, an annual Father's Day tradition, all the men in Dennis's family went to Smoky Mountain National Park to camp and hike. Dennis and his brothers planned to prank uh, on the adults. They were going to hide separately in a bush and jump out on different sides of the campsite to scare them. But Dennis went missing. Family, park rangers, and other visitors and hikers spread out to search almost immediately, but Dennis seemed to have disappeared out of thin air. It rained heavily that evening as well, which isn't very helpful. Um, The search for Martin was the largest in National Park Service history. Park Ranger Dwight McCarter, whenever I hear the name Dwight, I think of Dwight from the office, so that is the (laughs) image I have in my head. Uh, A missing persons expert who had tracked hundreds of missing persons, including children, assisted but was struck by the complete lack of any sort of tracks. One possible lead, not followed up by searchers, was a report from another family the evening the boy went missing. Apparently, the Key family had heard a scream and then saw a bear man with something slung over its shoulder that looked like it could have been a small child. Again, back to the Sasquatch 
aspect of things. Um, or an actual bear. Or well, yeah, or an actual that's, bear that's, that's walking this upright is, with. This was smoking ash. Smokies, you know. There's bears. I'm just Smokey saying. The bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. That's right. Yeah. They don't have those commercials anymore. Why? I have no idea. You think they keep those around? Remember the the, the Tootsie Pop commercial? The, the owl. There was yes. the owl. Yeah, yeah. the owl. Give a How hoot, many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Well, not that one. The give a hoot, don't pollute is what I was thinking. You've got to- Tootsie Pop had a anti. No, no, it wasn't Tootsie Pop. Climate it change. A, it was a. It was an owl that said, "Give oh. a hoot, don't pollute." Never heard of that one. Yeah. You don't remember the I Tootsie Pop know one? The whole song. I know. Sing it. I can't. I sing it. Sing the song. Sing the song. I, I only know. I, I don't know. You anything. know the whole song. I can see it on your no, face. I'm gonna break into. <laughs> do it. No. Do it for the. Do it for the clout. <laughs> no. All I can say, all I can say to all that is, be safe and don't die. Yeah, safe, that's don't that's, die. A, that's our slogan. Be safe, don't die. Um, but yeah, that that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more that have occurred, and again, you know, our condolences to any of the incidents, uh, any of the families out there that had lost someone, as well as anyone who has lost someone when it comes to missing persons. Um, hopefully, the people that are currently missing are found, uh, and hopefully, the individuals associated get some sort of closure. Um. But yeah, that's 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 kind of it. I mean, I think the message really of this episode, outside of talking about how we hiked Half Dome and, you know, the discrepancies that the federal and state governments have, um, is really to let people know that hiking, even though it is overwhelmingly safe, uh, can also be incredibly dangerous. Um, it's always best to go, as I said, in groups of two to four, specifically larger than two, if you can, and to be prepared as much as possible. I like it. Yeah. It's very true. Rest in peace. What do you guys think about the conspiracy aspect of things? You think there's some credence there? I think it's interesting. Um, I know I've watched the Missing 411 documentary. That That one's wild. It was pretty wild. And I do think there's some weird stuff that goes on that can't be necessarily easily explained. But I also think that most of these are the simple point A to point B explanation. One little mistake is all it takes. 10% though. That's a lot. Ten percent is a big number. It is a big number. Well, what's what's? Uh, I'd have to. I'd love to know what the number is worldwide. It's probably impossible no, to determine that. that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that the U.S. It, it's kind of staggering that the the National Park Service is probably better at reporting these things than many countries. Oh yeah, yeah, many, definitely. most. Yeah. I'd argue most. Well, so. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting. You'd think that we'd be a little bit more put together with that. Um, it seems like that's kind of been a, 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 a sore spot, you know, legally um, that we uh, we have. But again, it, it's a lot. I mean, it's hard to track that type of stuff. It's hard to determine. Well, you know, it's interesting technologically, I think, with, with I mean, you were, you were out there at Half Dome. You saw tons and tons of people out there, right? National parks are overwhelmed today. The ones that aren't on fire today, that is. Mm-hmm. But they're overwhelmed, and every one of those people have some kind of technology with them. Yeah. So even those people that are never found, finding their technology, like the person in Panama that we talked about previously, is going to help either exacerbate the conspiracy or solve, right? Yeah. Yeah. I well, also, I, well, I mean, and you think about it. Like, there's a lot of places you can get lost and not be found for a long time, if ever. Yeah, and you your, your phone isn't really a, a, unfortunately, it's not, maybe one day it will be, uh, but at this point, it's not really a, a, a fail safe of being able to find someone. Well, you if can, we got a bunch of satellites going over and everybody goes oh, yeah, to, you yeah. know, 20, 10 years, five years, whatever, I, hover 
fast these things go when everybody's running around with sat phones instead of yeah. quote unquote mobile. That'll cell make phones. it different. It'll make a huge yeah. difference because I mean, you can get right now, you can get all kinds of trail GPS stuff, not just to download them, but to actually get that information as you're on those trails out mm. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You just download those, the trail and you have the whole GPS. Well, on now, your... downloading on your phone is fine, but I'm talking about something that's live feedback. Yeah. Mm. So that has a GPS locator and everything like that. Once that's ubiquitous, these kind of things are going to start to change. You'd think. I mean, I think that that's there's going to be a whole litany of, of legal issues with that. I mean, when people come to when it comes to privacy law and stuff like that, I mean, you saw what people got there is no freaking privacy. Oh, anymore. I understand. Are you but you me? saw you saw what people that's said. Why people want to go to Half Dome yeah, in the first well, place? Get on the wilderness and have a little privacy. You saw what people said though when it was you know the, the Patriot Act and that was found out. I mean, there's public uproar. So when it comes to the, having the ability to be able to that detract, was a generation ago. A still a lot shorter than I'm, I'm just 50 saying, years pe- ago. If you talk to uh, um, your younger sister, she won't think two things about the Patriot Act because she's never lived in a world without it. Nope. Yeah, but we have, though. I, I know, but so, that's my point. These things change, and then they become normalized. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. That's a... That's a I, I still, I, I still think off on that tangent. Well, I still think, I, I still think there's pushback. I think people, especially the last two years, I think there's probably more pushback than we'd expect. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, that's, that's about it. Hopefully, as I said, hopefully these things get wrapped up, but, uh, can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. Um, and, uh, I think that's, that's about it. Yeah. If you want to hike half dome, you must enter the lottery. Yeah, you do. You have to enter. Make the lottery. sure you do that. Yeah. And once we do have merch on the site, what will the t-shirt say? Be smart, don't die. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Wolf and Bull podcast with your host, the Wolf and Bull. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from the Wolf and Bull, you can tune in via our weekly episodes available on nearly every major listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Wolf and Bull. You can follow us on YouTube at the Wolf and Bull podcast and at our website, thewolfandbull.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.